Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, and really excited about my guest today. And I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to remember the order of events if I met him first or if I met his food uh, first, but they are just, just beautiful and good and exciting and lovely and all of these kind of things. I know it's weird to conflate somebody with their food, but I had a meal that really looms very large in my psyche. Welcome to Akhtar Nawab. Hey, how are you? I am. Uh, so there was a meal that I had at uh, Alta Caladad that um, I was in the thick of really not being able to eat a whole lot of things. Yeah, I remember. And I actually feel re- really incredibly guilty about going to your restaurant because I was like, I don't want to have to have you compromise your vision. I'd heard about you for such a long time and how much other chefs respect you. And I was like, I'm not going to be that person who goes in there. Oh, I can't have this and this and this. And you made it so easy for me. And I really appreciate that. I don't really, I understand people have challenges or they have um, things they do want to eat or don't want to eat or, or steer away from. And, and kind of one of the beauties about, I think, Mexican food is it's very versatile. Mm-hmm. So we can really do a lot of different things, whether it's vegan or vegetarian or gluten-free, whatever it may be. I'm really glad to say I've gotten delivery from your place a lot That's of times. Awesome. It travels really well, which I am thrilled <laughs> right. about. Michael sticks a nice cute note in there, too. Oh. A little, a little uh, thanks for ordering caviar delivery from us. Would you yeah. tell people who, who Michael is? He's my business partner, Michael Weatherby. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to talk about partnerships uh, later because mm-hmm. it, it's just very much um, on yeah. my mind this week. Or let's do it now because, uh, you know, this it's is a significant weekend. Partnerships in New York City with a, you know, pretty... Um, you know, notable uh, split up between Daniel Hum and, yeah, and Will Gadara. Yeah, so they're you know uh, splitting up the empire. Not actually, not even splitting up, but uh, Daniel is is buying Will out. I heard about it. Yeah, yeah, and there all the articles that were written about that were written about like this being an era of New York City dining based so much on this front and back of house uh, partnership. And I've seen a lot of those throughout, uh, you know, New York City dining. And how did you come together with, with your partner? We were consulting on a project, you know, backing up even further. We're really kind of, know each other. We're really kind of the same. We're close to the same age. Um, We had both um, had, had people we knew in common mm-hmm. and we knew of each other, um, but we really didn't meet in person until we were consulting on a project together. And and I don't know, we just got along very well. And I, I think that, you know, at this point in his life, he seemed pretty aligned with where I was in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think for partnerships, it's really important that everyone enters on the same kind of level playing field. And I found that in my my career so far that I haven't always made the right choices with that, but I haven't actually known what to look for, I think, is really what it is, because it really is business, and and, Mm. um, apart from the fact that, you know, um, we're going to be working so intimately together, it, it really is a business decision that has to come first, and, you know, chefs aren't always educated about that business world, and it's uh, it becomes really challenging, I think, to know what to ask yourself. But I do things a little differently now, and I, I think, like, I met his wife and I met his kids, and that becomes more like, how is he as a family person, right. or how is he outside of what we need? Um, how is he going to behave? And I think that that 
that made it more impactful? You know, to I, I had a restaurant lawyer, Jasmine Moy, on, sure, on the show. I know her. Oh, she's yeah. so excellent. I know and, her very well. Yeah, and yeah. and she's you know super smart cookie, and mm-hmm. I, I've seen her. Uh, be a person who has to undo a lot of knots in yeah. relationships when it hadn't been spelled out from the beginning, and that's where people get into trouble. They don't Correct. sit down and have that really that really tough conversation at the beginning. <clears throat> that's right. Can you talk about th- that? Those really thing, those tough things that you have to get out of the way up front. Well, I, I think it it really for me it's going back to the beginning and saying, are we going to work the same amount of hours? Are we going to be as equally invested in this opportunity? Is this person looking to grow this or is he just look or whoever the person may be yeah in in this case he uh, was he going to enter this thing with the same attitude does he want to grow it is he interested in just this one restaurant right. all of these different things I think just like having the conversation like are you gonna have kids you're not gonna have kids what is it gonna be yeah you know I think that over time I learned a little more about how how best to kind of have that conversation um, thoughtfully and honestly. Yeah, you have to have a plan for for growth, and both have those same kind if, of expectations. If, if that's what you want, you it, know, sometimes it's just one restaurant. And it is. I mean, it's a marriage or, or whatever. <laughs> yes, correct. My, he says it more than I do. It is true, though. Yeah, it's very true. You probably actually spend more time with him than. You know, his wife actually calls uh, calls me his work wife. Yeah, you know, I have a work wife. And, uh, <laughs> and um, we do spend. A lot, I mean, we talk multiple times a day. Yeah. You know? As we've gotten busier with more projects, you know, it really is a constant communication. And you have such a fascinating career. Um, so let's let's talk through it because you have done, been in food in a lot of different kinds of ways. Right. Um, I love to look at uh, you were you were a, a place that I tend to think of as a crucible of New York City dining. You were a craft in the early days. That's, yeah, that's right. Can we talk about that particular? Yeah. I'm thinking of that that lineup there. Um, all the people, including Stephen Solomon, who I always right. Are, oh, Steve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gramercy too. I think. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but it's it's Tom Colicchio, and yeah. I think Marco Canora is part of this too. And yeah, I mean, there's a, there was a whole roster of people for sure. You know, David Chang. <laughs> yeah, Marco. You know, David, you know, uh, Damon. Yeah, uh, uh, Damon Wise, for people who, yeah. who don't know him, he's extraordinary. He's an underrated chef. But I absolutely is. agree. I wish more people... Knew, he'll get his, I think he'll get his moment. He's uh, a great cook. Is he cook. in Philly now? Is he, or he's or in Atlanta right now. Atlanta, right, right, yeah. right, yes. Um, he's, he's an amazing chef. Yeah. I mean, hands down, one of the best cooks I've ever worked with or seen in my life. Uh, Damon, please please come on the show. Yeah. I think he had a stint at Monkey Bar, maybe? He did. Yeah. I remember he did. Yeah. Um, you know, I, hopefully hopefully he'll get here one day and, yeah. and, and get on the show and, and yeah. everyone will know who he is. Yeah, I, I tend to think of this whole uh, lineup at, at sort of early craft yeah. and, and early Gramercy, too. Actually, sorry, I, mean, I was conflating like Stephen Solomon with uh, that, honestly, but because like, it trade, traded people so yeah, much. Yeah, Karen Damasco gets left out. And, like, yeah. She's an amazing pastry chef. And yeah. She's, she's amazing. Like, the stuff she was doing was amazing. Um, you know, who else was there? It was, and it's kid Dan Sauer. He runs a place out Martha's Vineyard. Um, he he knows he knew Marco for many years. You know, was um, it Kwame Onwachi was there? Liz, Liz Benno and Jonathan Benno. Yeah, extraordinary. You know, like I mean, that was really the the core group. And then of course, Chef, you know, Colicchio. Is this um, late nineties? Is that when is this? <clears throat> uh, it was late nineties. Yeah, I think that's no early two thousand. I think so. It's, Early two it, thousand. It's such an interesting thing when those people who came out of that, and these are you know big influential names, they Correct. talk about you 
as oh, a chef. Well, that's always nice I here. think of you as a chef's chef in the way that Marco <clears throat> Canora is a chef's chef. Um, I think that one thing we learn wor- working at places like Craft or Gramercy is um, craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And I think that not all chefs are able to teach that to all their employees mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a way that's still artful and meaningful and thoughtful and, you know, honest, um, treating ingredients with integrity. All, all of those things, I think, those disciplines, I think, got filtered into us in a pretty direct way. And I think it forces people to say, like, I know Marco's an excellent cook, you know. Hands down. Great. Mm-hmm. He's great. You know, where David understands these flavors, he can put these things together in a really cool, interesting, awesome, unique way. Um, for myself, you know, I, I think I'm, I've been always been a little bit more fidgety and mm-hmm. <laughs> a hard time sitting still. I get that. Um, <laughs> I got the, a, I've got ADHD. It's I have a really tough time sitting still. And after a craft and, and, you know, those kinds of things I wanted. I wanted a little more complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how, how, what direction I wanted to, to navigate necessarily, but mm-hmm. you know, in af- after craft, I just kind of was like, maybe, maybe I want to go do my own restaurant, mm-hmm. it, as a lot of young chefs kind yeah. of do. And I was wholly unprepared for that. Nobody, um, t- I mean, you, you can learn by seeing only so much and it's not till you get into the weeds of it you're like oh geez like it's- well i think it you know you realize that the way craft and gramercy and some of those other restaurants function are a product of a, a, a massive infrastructure mm-hmm. that small restaurants don't have yes and and i was opening a, a restaurant for under a million dollars and and it's not enough money no. in, the, in New York. It's, it's just not enough. It takes massive, massive amounts just to <clears throat> get into a space to uh, in, attract other investors. You need money to attract yeah. money. It was it was like I said, wholly unprepared in every capacity. You know, emotionally, financially, professionally. How old were you at the time? Uh, Thirty. Two, 31. Okay, yeah. That's, and if, I and, think it's 31. And if you're doing that and you don't have the backing of a group or a really rich yeah. family member or something like that, that's incredibly it, tough. But even beyond the money, it's, um, <clears throat> yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't emotionally ready for it. Yeah. What did that look like? So w- when you say that, what does that, what does that mean? I think I, I was really, I wasn't motivated by, in my opinion, now looking back on it after so many years, I wasn't really looking at it from... I think a healthy perspective. It mm-hmm. was really motivated by <clears throat> kind of other things. Mm-hmm. Do you want like is it fame? It is was, it yeah, like... accolades and and notoriety and all those other things. I think were were motivational factors back then, and it wasn't it wasn't the right way to do it. Yeah. You know, like I wanted to I wanted to cook and 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 be recognized for it. Yeah, at that time, you know, and now I cook and there's a freedom to it that I haven't ever really had before. So it, it's changed so much over the years. So you opened this restaurant mm-hmm. and then maybe didn't work out. Or, yeah. And so what did that feel like then? Like how, how, long, <clears throat> how long did it last? And then what was the process of undoing and then recovery right. from that? I mean, 10 plus years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's... It was, yeah, it's very impactful. You know, life change... You know, home life change. It's a lot at once. And, and people, here's the thing. People don't teach 
chefs how to process while they're at work and then shut that off after. It's a it's a different right. modality <clears throat> of that. You are so kind of intertwined with your it all blends together like there's you know there's creative and everything's just in this funnel yeah and when you kind of try to filter it apart it's really difficult at the end of the night so you go back the next day and you try again yeah and it becomes this this pattern where you just keep on going until you realize like it's not going the right direction and how do you stop and how do you reverse and 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 do it over again for me it was really like after the restaurant closed i was like i can't do this yeah (laughs) i was like i I don't want to do it yeah you know i met a friend his name's yakov he's always he's friends he's actually the most interested food guy i know like and he's not in food and he's just, he Bless just loves people. him. Yeah, exactly. They keep like, restaurants open. It's he, great. He goes to Marco's restaurant. He goes to Chang's restaurant. He goes he goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I met him. He was working for, you know, as a lawyer by trade. Um, but really, he's a creative type. Mm-hmm. But he does his lawyer stuff for, for a living at the <laughs> to, time. To pay for meals. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, he was traveling all over the world. And I met him in Midtown. And I was like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm done. And then he's like, you need a break. Mm-hmm. And he's like... And at the time, I was kind of like, I don't know what difference it's going to make. You know, like, I don't, I don't think I want to go back and do it again. Yeah, it's you know? it's a masochistic thing to do. <clears throat> you know, like to have, to just be completely crushed. Yeah. You know, after after the restaurant closed, and and that was how I identified myself. Yeah. Yes. You know, like I was this thing that w- I was kind of the personification of this thing. Whereas it should have been like, this thing is a product of what I want to do. Mm-hmm. It was reversed. And I think that when, when we work as creatively and passionately as we do, mm-hmm. and you can't separate it, it becomes really difficult to try to peel, peel it apart and say, this is really who I am, not this. Yeah. And like the restaurant isn't me. Like it's a product and it's an idea and it definitely is something we're creating and has its own soul. But at the end of the day, it's like if you're not able to function as a person, mm-hmm. you really, it's just like in a relationship. If you're not a functional person, you really can't be in one. You know, you have to be open to it. I, I always think like with relationships, you know, I've been, you know, knock on this table. I, you know, solid marriage, all the, you mm-hmm. know, all, all the stuff. And, you know, we put the work into it. That wouldn't have happened if we each hadn't, you know, <clears throat> taken time to be single and figure out like who we were right. individually outside of relationships before we got together. Right. And I find this especially with chefs because you do identify so much with that. And the product that you make, it gets erased every night. Right. Every single right. day is a new thing. Well, <clears throat> the repetition of cooking is one of the things I love most about it. Yeah. Is is the fact that we can go in there and try again, do it better, and get it to as close to where we love it as as we can. And, you know, I steer away from other things, you know, like where people um, may say, hey, that was perfect, you know, or hey, that mm-hmm. was 
perfect taco. And for me, it's a taco these days. You know what I mean? Like, but for 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 me, it's just <laughs> for me, it's just like let's just try to do it better every day. Yeah. Let's try to please as many people as we can. Um, let's let's be as creative as we can, and let's have fun, and and know that at the end of the day, we can still start over again. It becomes a little more empowering, I think, than it was at the end of the the day 10 years ago where it's like it's the end of the day you totally failed and that's what we used to look at it like it was a failure you Mm -hmm. know like uh, to you know I was seeing a therapist for a long time he's like you should hear how you talk about yourself it's hard he he used to say it sounds like you hate yourself yeah and it's you probably wouldn't say those things about or to anyone else. They no always say else. like, yeah, I, I think of the language I use no when I'm else. mad at myself. And I was like, I would never say that to somebody I care about or even somebody I didn't. Right. It's really, if nobody teaches you how <clears throat> to be kind to yourself, it's really hard to learn later. Um, I think in my case, it was it was later. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about how you try to transmit the notion at or how you were feeling at the time about what perfect <clears throat> looks like. Cause like I've had Dave on the show sure. and we talked through, you know, he, he was, he's had to learn some really intense lessons about sort of how he deals with people because it, he, he told me a story about how he was, you know, in, you know, open kitchen once I think sure. I, it must've been at, at co and, uh, you know, excoriating somebody for having done something wrong and seeing a review where somebody said like, technically the meal was great and all these things were, but I was taken out of the moment and I ended up feeling so tense because Dave was yelling at somebody and he realized like, Oh my God, I'm the problem. And having to relearn right. how to communicate perfection or his ideal of perfection to somebody else. So how did you, how have you sort of learned to do that and, and relearned how to do that? Cause a restaurant isn't just you in the kitchen. <clears throat> I think cooking, cooking a different cuisine and forcing myself to kind of go back, um, to learning something new mm-hmm. was um, very humbling. Yeah. I think it pushed me in a uniquely different direction. Yeah, so what kind of food was it you were doing, and then what did you move to? Right, so, you know, Elatari was a, um, an Indian-inspired, European kind of focused mm-hmm. cooking restaurant. And it, it had, like, a real... Had real intensity to it, yeah. Um, but also took, you know, enormous energy um, so to much. to kind of complete everything every day, and the list got bigger and bigger as the days grew because I was like, all of these things need to be better, and the the staff who was working for me, you know, were very loyal and they had all been with me for many years at that point. But man, I used to let him have it. Yeah. Like crazy. And every day. And, and you know, I think they used to joke a little bit about it just because, like, I would go in there and yell at everyone every day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, I had my first ulcer when I was at Craft Bar, you know. Like, yeah. And that was, that was when I was 28 years old. 28-year-old should not be having stress <clears throat> ulcers. That's... It was. I was feeling nauseous for, like, weeks. Mm-hmm. And I went to the doctor. He's like... You know, like it got mm-hmm. diagnosed with an ulcer. That's at a young age. And this is over food. You and, know what I mean? And but I, it's over, it's really over the fact that you have this idea of what it needs to be. And if it's not met, it's everything wrong. You know, like whether it's, you know, 
diced onions. I see yellow people for diced onions constantly, mm. you know, or something more complex like an emulsified, you know, mm-hmm. vinaigrette or sauce or whatever it may be. And I used to just, you know, go insanely crazy, yeah. you know. And I think, you know, now I look back on it and I'm just like, I don't do that anymore. That's the thing is like the, uh, all these people who you mentioned who you were with, I have talked to a lot of them about how they have right. changed over the years. You know, Marco, when I first met him, uh, he, you know, he was, he was an angry dude. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, yeah. he was a super angry, yelly dude and he owns it now. And, <coughs> you know, you talk to him now work. and he's Mr. Like, you know, Zen guy. I, I've seen Dave transform yeah. tremendously through, throughout the ages. Cause like he was the epitome of the, the, the screaming, mm-hmm. belittling chef. And I've seen him take so much ownership of 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 that and do so much like sort of therapy and work and realizing like he could change how he communicates with people i've seen tom become like mr (laughs) mr like yoga and boxing dude and you know it and i think there were a lot of people who didn't survive that era right like are they and to the point where they died you're getting ulcers people people died in pursuit of food that blows my mind you know it's um it's when I, I think, it, I don't know, like I would look at it and say, when someone looks at whatever you're doing and you think that that is you. Mm-hmm. and You, you know, are this plate of onions. Right. You're, you're, you're disrespecting everything we do here, me, my ideals, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, my mantra, whatever it may be. You're disrespecting all of this. And it's unacceptable, you know. It's it's really difficult. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Like, you know, yeah. I think for David, for example, like he had it particularly tough because he got so many eyes on him. Absolutely. And yeah. it's it's a little different for for you know, for me who had some eyes mm-hmm. on me. Um, you know, like New York eyes, but David had like a global kind of I can't imagine that pressure that is so stressful seriously and And I know he was so stressed for so many years and now I I talk to him and he's a happy parent yeah it's been a joy seeing his his evolution of uh, you know especially in in the you know since the birth of his his kid and Mm -hmm. and again like really you know putting in putting in that kind of work and I hope it's uh, I figure it's okay to talk about this because he has talked about it mm-hmm. uh, publicly and stuff. But he's somebody who you're absolutely right. That level of scrutiny. I mean, I I get to for the most part like hide and do right. do my my job. And the times when I do have to be in public, you know, I I feel like I have to sort of extra turn it on and you know, and do the things. But if but I also don't have people attempting to Instagram every little thing I right. do. I mean, that's I mean, that's that's a pressure that has come along in the time that you've been doing this, right. where people can, you know, in the moment, Instagram something you do, they can Yelp something that you do. Yeah. So there, before it was sort of pressures of dining com- diners coming in, maybe they talk on Chowhound or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, Egola, things like <laughs> Yes, things like Egola, that. Yeah. absolutely. All of yeah. these things. I, I think I started back on Chowhound in like 97 or right. 8 or something like that. Like People used to read the forums, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and Egola, and then the, the, you know, all those sort of things that came out of that, this right. online community. Um, but that, that was just us being nerds back then. And now it's kind of everybody, but you, yeah. we moved into this, this moment of like immediate feedback. Right. No, for sure. Yeah. And that's, I, I can't imagine the pressure of that. It's, it, it's, 
I think I've gotten a lot more used it. it growing older, I think, yeah. and having it happen so many times in so many levels. Like there was a time where I think I was reviewed more than almost anyone I know mm-hmm. just because I, I had different positions, you know, whether it was EU or a craft bar or the second craft bar or my own restaurant. And that was all within a very mm-hmm. kind of short time period, you know, and I was just getting reviewed constantly and it was driving me crazy. And it was like, you know, like anything negative would drive me crazy or if it was a review I didn't want. It, it was really impactful in a, in a, a terribly unhealthy way. And Alataria was like one of the examples. Like I got a review that, that Frank Bruni wrote and I was, I, I couldn't have disagreed with it more back then. <clears throat> and you know, like that was a time I think where the New York Times reviews were particularly impactful. Yeah. And especially before there was so much sort right. of other commentary yeah, from, there was no Instagram back then. You know, it was, there was plenty of Yelp and things like that, I think. I remember. I, th- I think so. But <laughs> it's all a blur. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, you know, the reviews were meaningful. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I had, I, I just like, after I got the review, I was just like so unhappy. Yeah. You know, for so long. I just like, I literally, I literally left and went fishing. In, I was like, told everyone, it's like, I'm going fishing in Martha's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. And I left and went fishing for like a week. Yes. I mean, you had to. <laughs> I, I was I, I was miserable and I was miserable to everybody. And I don't I don't think I looked at it later until when the staff was looking to me for guidance through this. Yeah. And all I could do was really think about how miserable I was. Yeah. You know, like just faced with like just this in front of you, it seems like you can't get around it. How did you? Time, I guess, more than anything, you know, like, um, I, I think I tried to, um, reestablish like a relationship with my daughter Mm -hmm. that really hadn't existed really Mm kind of meaningfully at that point because I just spent all the time working. Yeah. And, um, honestly, I, I found that, you know, I'm a good parent. Yeah. How old is she now? She's 13 now. Oh, wow. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And, and I found that That's that an was... an intense age. Yeah, it was like, you know, maybe I'm a parent first. It's... And it's, and that's really, I think, what it became. Like, like I am more than... Yeah. Like, this plate of onions or whatever it is. Like, I'm more. You're the human, too. Right. So, I've, I've... You know, I've talked with uh, a lot of chefs and actually a lot of dads uh, about that. Jason Vincent came on the podcast and... He was saying, like, after he was a, a best new chef, he right. he had to take two years off because of the pressures of it, and he was not yeah. okay. And he was a full time parent yeah. for a couple of years. I and, get it. Yeah, and hundred percent, I get it. So I, I was out for I was out for seven months. Yeah, and I, I felt down and out. Like, so did you ever think you were going to walk back into a kitchen? I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it was. I felt retired like a hundred percent. At age thirty-three. Yeah, that's 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 early to. Call, but if that's the only thing you've ever done in that, I didn't thing, know what else to do. Like yeah. I was like, I can't do anything else. Yeah, you know, like it's it's the only it's the only thing I've ever pursued. Yeah, you know, because I loved it. So getting getting past getting past that seemed impossible. So. 
what does the day to day look like during during that? Because I know that I've definitely had times when I have you know during that period. Yeah, I've had I times mean, when I've over identified with a job, and then when that thing heavy drinking isn't there. Yeah, I mean heavy. Yeah, you know, like drank a lot. Mm-hmm. Did you see um, people? Not that much, really. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like a lot of it was just wallowing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because like at first, like just kind of forget about everything because alcohol tends to make you do that. Yeah. Um, but much later, it becomes 10 times heavier. Yeah. Um, you're just shoving that in the corner and you're compressing yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Until it got like explosive, it felt like. But um, there was a lot of drinking, you know. I did I did start seeing a therapist around then. and That's hard for chefs. It seems like just from talking to chefs a lot, like because mental health... I mean, in, it's changing so much, especially over the last few years. Right. But it seemed like a taboo for such a long time. It's not like no you're going to, s- yeah, yeah, you're you're no not going to be sent it like you know an, an, another chef like, hey, I'm going to see my therapist. And now, now I think people are a lot more. But it was definitely like just man up, you know. Right. People have the, that sort of terrible language around it. Right. Um, that day today was really, really kind of. It all seemed like one day, like one yeah, long day. I get Every that. day was kind of the same. I've like had I, I, the those only spirals. <laughs> the only pursuit was to try to forget about what was going on and yeah, maybe get out of town here and there. And so, what's the the thing that because you know that there there are only a few ways out of that. And right. Well, honestly, it was spending spending time with my daughter forced me to be, I think, a little more um, present all the time. Um, what were you two doing to like pick her up from school? Like just like take her to school. Um, you know, she she had kind of short days back then. Yeah. You know, so I'd pick her up. You know, and then eventually she was with me a couple of days a week, um, and with her mom a few other days of the week, and then it turned into something I I looked forward to, and then now it's something <laughs> kind of can't live without. Yeah, yeah, and thirteen such a critical age to be seen by an adult who is going to tell you hey it's going to be okay I, I gotta be honest like I look I look at her and I'm saying it's like one of the most interesting people I've ever met that's awesome like that's a that's a really cool thing to be able to like say she totally unique kid what does she love to do what makes her happy dance ballet mm-hmm. um flamenco you know she's really into it um but really she's funny and she's sarcastic um, she's smart and, and she loves to read and it's just like a very interesting person, you know? So when you started thinking about going back into food and restaurants, right. like how old was she at that point? Um, she was three and a half or four. Okay. So she's not having much of an opinion about if you're going back to uh, no, restaurants or not. Not at that age. Okay. You know, when I opened Alta Calidad, I, you know, I had been doing a lot of daytime work cause that's really the kind of work I picked up. Yeah. Um, so I could be with her, yeah. you know, and not sacrifice all those nights away. Um, I asked her, I was like, hey, listen, I kind of want to open this restaurant. Is that okay with you? And she said, yes. You know, she's like, does it mean you're going to be gone a lot? And I was like, well, for the first few months, yes. But this is a small place mm-hmm. and it's not something um, huge, you know, and she's like, okay. That's, that's really lovely i mean that seems that seems healthy and let's talk about the stuff that you were doing in right. that middle time too because you right. uh, started some really cool things and i see chefs sort of diversifying more right. 
of what it is they're doing. And some of them have an identity crisis during that because they're, they're thinking, if I'm not on the line, I'm not doing this, I'm not a chef. Right. But they absolutely right. are. So let's talk about the things you were doing. I think I at, at around that time I started kind of redefining a little bit about what I what I could do and what I wanted to do. When I got back to cooking after Elatari, after like seven months or so away, mm-hmm. I just went back and I said, I want to do something different. Yeah, I want to do something less intense, and I want to do something that has an equal amount of soul to what I would have characterized cook, great cooking to be. And I want it to be rustic, and I don't want to have three people making this puree and putting it on a <laughs> plate. I just don't want that anymore. Yeah. And I said that, I was really open about it. I was like, I, I can't manage that anymore. Like, yeah. I just can't, I don't feel healthy. I don't. I really think, I I really felt like I can't do it, you know. Um, so I said, let me seek out something else. And like Mexican kind of presented itself. I knew nothing about it. And it felt great. Because there was like this openness or this kind of um, newness yeah. to it that felt special had it been just a cuisine that you really liked sure that was it and i was just like i'm learning again it's fun again Mm -hmm. like this is good for me that's you know i don't hear chefs say it's good for me very often because you're not taught to think that that is something you're even allowed to consider right it's funny you know i just finished my first cookbook (gasps) congratulations thanks thanks and it's called good for you (laughs) and and uh Oh, that makes me so happy. I wrote it with Andrea. Um, Andrea. Strong. Okay. Oh, God, a marvelous human. She's so she's talented. She's great. And, and great. she's known me my entire cooking career. Okay. Like since Craft Bar. Yeah. All the way through. Yeah. And she's been writing that whole time. She's been writing the whole time. Very experienced. And she, we know each other. Yeah. And so the book is called Good For You. And it's because it's, it's like, let's stop and rethink this. Yeah. You know, like, how do you take care of yourself? Well, you were doing, like, let's talk about the business mm-hmm. also. So it's Fresh, totally blanking on the name of it. The Indie Fresh? Indie Fresh, sorry, yeah. yes. Indie Fresh. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about Indie Fresh and, like, what that looks like. So Indie Fresh started with a good friend of mine who, um, he's a, a fitness person, persona, mm-hmm. um, and he's very kind of plugged into the fitness world. And he was running Juice Press for many years as mm-hmm. they were kind of tearing through their expansion. Um, but I don't know that he was – he wanted food involved somehow mm-hmm. in his life because he loves to eat. And so we decided to start Indie Fresh, which was like a gluten-free, dairy-free yeah. concept. Um, and at first, you know, I was kind of taking cues from him because he's so plugged into this fitness world. And then I said, you know, we got to make it for more than just fitness people. Yeah. Like, this doesn't work. At least for me, because I'm not like I'm. I love to work out, and I love working out with him, whenever we do at this point. But you know, um, I'm not that person. You know, yeah. like, I'm still. I'm not going to spend all day. You know, training people and working out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we made it so that it could work for everybody, and a lot of the recipes in the book, for example, are things that we made there. So like lasagna, like how do you how do you clean that up? Um, it was a daytime concept. It was um, designed for grab and go, and it was it got my mind again, just like Mexican food. It got me moving in 
new directions and thinking and reading and all those things are like, that's what I like. You know, like I, I used to spend countless hours at the bookstore when people used to read, you know, books at bookstores. <laughs> right. You know, like, and I used to just grab books off the shelf and like, page through Michelle Brought books or Charlie oh, Trotter books. Yeah. And, and this is the old days when, you know, Charlie Trotter was alive. He was putting out all these books and they were beautiful and no one was doing it like that. Um, and so, you know, Daniel Ballou's books and, and, and things like that when I was in San Francisco. And that to me was like, that was learning. That's how we used to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love seeing like chef's cookbook collections. Mm-hmm. It's always such a joy. Yeah. No, it's pretty it's pretty interesting because we have, you know, I have obviously, just like most chefs, I know a massive collection. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's funny also the way that chefs use it too because it's like sort of for inspiration because it's not like you're you're going to use the same recipes or you might be inspired yeah. by it. those Michelle Bra books. Like, I, I God, I have one and it's just the most beautiful thing in the world, but yeah. it's, it's it goes straight into my eyes. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I, I, don't, I never kind of, I took one thing away from that book in particular, and that was he, he does this thing called an Igo Bolito, which is like, a, you know, if I not pronounce it right, but it's like it's like a butter emulsion. Mm-hmm. And then he steeps like all these things in there, like leeks and peppercorns and garlic, and makes a super flavorful butter. And he uses it for everything. Yeah. It's just like a little bit on everything. I'm like, man, that's amazing. And it adds so much flavor, and, you know, I still use it to this day. Yeah, and to have those sort of things in your canon that you you yeah. use, and and nobody will be able to ever be able to sort of identify like what is that that thing? I'm always it's, it makes you unique. Yeah, it does. I'm I'm always so interested when there are just a few chefs who I can try their food. I could have it blindfolded and I could tell you who cooked that thing right, because right. of their no, particular. No, I believe you. There's there are some people in particular I could say that with for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah not a lot of them, but I sort of appreciate that thing because mm-hmm. it puts everything sort of in the same kind of key, and you can be singing a lot of different songs with right. it, but have all that same kind of key. Right. So I'm I'm so interested when chefs sort of delve into health because I I know that mm-hmm. you know I I, I look back a lot at, at uh, Heartbeat with Michelle Nishan's restaurant that like, mm-hmm. you know, he's a fantastic chef and stuff, mm-hmm. but I think people balked at the notion of having like health involved and he's still doing yeah. health, but he's not sort of like touting right. it like straight up front. Um, but it, and it gets a little, uh, people get a little nervous uh, about, uh, you know, sort of chefs and, and doing that kind of stuff. Like, oh, is this just going to taste like kale and sand or something like that? Right. But I've seen Rocco Despirito do it sure. in a really, really smart way. I just had mm-hmm. a great conversation with him mm-hmm. about what he's doing at Standard Grill and mm-hmm. ta- and taking all of those things and putting sort of health forward mm-hmm. in it. And so you were able to do that in a really successful way. <clears throat> so, yeah, um, I was a really overweight kid. Um most people don't recognize it in that way, but, you know, I was like almost 250 pounds when I was uh, <clears throat> younger. Mm-hmm. And so I saw a nutritionist at a pretty young age. And I actually got a pretty, but it was an old school nutritionist, mm-hmm. like, you know, poached chicken and, <laughs> yeah. and, and and things like old school. Like the, the diet was calorie restrictive, flavor mm-hmm. restrictive. Yeah. Um, but that's how you lost weight back Just then. Just feels like punishment. And you, like me, yeah. are from Kentucky, I believe. Yeah, I'm from, from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm from Fort Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh, you, you can know. you can imagine what we ate then. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Steamed like steamed rice, totally. steamed chicken. Totally, that's it. All yeah. that kind of stuff, and all measured out. And you do you know. feel like that formed your notion of what sort of nutrition was in, as an adult, or did you have to relearn well, that kind of thing? <clears throat> it gave me a discipline. I think I didn't. I I didn't know I had in me because yeah. it's it takes a lot of discipline to lose weight. Like, yeah. At that age in particular, mm-hmm. you know, like it took a lot, of, a lot of discipline. 
Um, but it gave me a base understanding, I think, of mm -hmm. nutrition on... I would never claim to be a nutritionist mm -hmm. in any capacity. It gave me a base fundamental understanding of how it works for me more than anything. Um, over time, I think, you know, we learn how to cook and incorporate flavors into, yeah. into this healthy cooking, I think, that has worked well for me. And that's part of the reason why I think Indie Fresh was created, mm -hmm. was that so we could reach a broader audience um, and, and get people to understand that it can be, yeah, you can have risotto. Yeah, mm -hmm. may, maybe it doesn't have, you know, chips of butter in there and it has something else. Or, yes, you can have, you know, roasted chicken, but, you know, let's find a way to, to, to get some of that grease out of there. Things like that, you know. But those things all work still, you know. Well, can we talk about how you then, after having to have the, sort of the restrictions and the no flavor and stuff, mm -hmm. reteach yourself that food is allowed to be associated with pleasure instead right. of punishment. It's true, it's true. I mean, there was like... Fortunately, the nutritionist found later that you can eat a whole egg because I got to be honest, like oh. <laughs> just the steamed egg whites were painful every day. Yeah. And it was really, it really was punishment. And it made, I think it made me feel like almost terrible as a person for being overweight at yeah. that age. Like, I think a lot of diet cultures like that though. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think, you know, fortunately there's a, such a strong movement, not just with chefs, but with others as well in creating interesting, delicious foods that you can eat in moderation um, th that still allow you to achieve the ideal weight or body or whatever it is you're looking for. Yeah. And still get flavor, too. Exactly. You're allowed to be joyful when you're eating. Exactly. I mean, listen, there's so much technology now that allows you to maximize flavor, whether yeah. it's a sous vide machine at home or whether it's all these different tools you can buy at home. Breville makes so much stuff mm -hmm. that, that works for a home cook that allows you to achieve so much more flavor, I think, mm -hmm. than what you could do in the past. Can we talk about going back into a kitchen? Because mm -hmm. you had been, what was what was the time between being in kitchens? About seven months. Okay. And you are, and you say you have sort of, you're not that screaming guy <laughs> anymore. No. How did you set up, how did, how did you relearn how to be in the kitchen? I think because I was the only one who really didn't speak Spanish mm -hmm. in this Mexican kitchen. Um, I was the person who was totally new. And I was the one who knew nothing compared to everyone else. Yeah. And the only thing I really knew how to do was manage and kind of deliver on things like food costs and things like that. You know, like I understood how those formulas work. But I was the new person. You know, so I would be asking questions the whole day. And that's a very humbling position to be in. Yeah. You know, um, but I think I just gained an understanding and I was like, wow, I see a lot of comfortability in myself here because there's this Mexican thing, there's this Indian thing. They seem to be overlapping. Yeah. And I never knew that existed. Um, mm. <clears throat> so kind of when I delve a little deeper, I see, you know, there was a lot of Arab influence in Mexico at one point. There was a lot of Jewish influence in parts of Mexico, mm -hmm. you know, and now you start seeing it in these spices that are always been so interesting to me in my cooking um, to achieve tons of flavor and give new things an identity that maybe didn't have one in the past, you know, whether it's turmeric or cumin, and they all seem to have their moment these days. But Yeah, <laughs> you know, as health foods. <laughs> but it didn't really exist back then, you know. So uh, 
while Indians have been using it forever, like mm -hmm. maybe it hasn't been used in Mexican cooking before. Like maybe there's a place for it. So all of that became something that was like felt new and, and, and really was like going back to school in so many ways. But I think I needed it. Like I really, yeah. I really truly felt as though if I didn't do something different, there's no point in going back because I would just be going back to the same thing. Yeah, and that's... I would just be returning to the same problems and the same unhappiness. And, like, I'm a lot happier cooking what I do now. Um, granted, it's a little bit less than what it has been in the past just because mm -hmm. of some other work, but um, it's really fun doing it now, and I, I have a lot more joy about it. So, you, and you opened up a place in New Orleans. Yes, recently we too. did. Yeah, four months ago. That's congratulations. I've, I've I haven't gotten to eat there. I've I've peeked in, and it's really beautiful. And it's it seems like it's the cornerstone of a big building. Is it a big residential building? It is. Yeah. I really think, and I, correct me if I'm wrong on these things, but it, it feels like there are. Uh, the way that more restaurants are finding sustainability mm -hmm. is to be the cornerstone of a hotel or residential building or something like that. So can we get in slightly to the mechanics of yeah. that kind well, of Well, the economics of restaurants are unique. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, typically, the restaurant world, most owners, like they raise a chunk of money or they have a chunk of money. They invest it into building this business, this restaurant, and they spend a ton of money. Unlike a lot of businesses, you have to spend all of your money almost, except right. for 10%, typically 10 to 20%. And after that, you, you start bringing in revenue, but you're still paying out a ton of money to vendors and staff and all, all, these, other, all these other payables you have. So it becomes a really difficult position to raise money yeah. when you're when you tell people, well, I'm going to spend it all, and then I'm going to make it back. <laughs> and they're like, wait a minute, that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but that's typically how restaurants function these days. You know, I look at it and I say, what are we doing raising the money? Like, you developers are the ones who, have, who mm. have better access to this capital than us. So now we go to them and we say, why don't you do this for us, and we'll run it. We'll manage it, and that will be a long-term partnership that you can guarantee on because you've taken out kind of the, the biggest equation, which is risking your space and investment on an inexperienced business person, which would be someone like me. Yeah. You know, so I think I recognize it, and we went to – well, this company in New Orleans approached me. We said no at first, and then they pursued it, and they, you know, we said no again. And then they really pursued it and made it a little more compelling. And then I was like, that may have not a bad deal. You know, like, I don't, I don't mind opening something in a city I want to go to. Mm -hmm. you know, like New Orleans That's is a, a place. a great city. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's a place I want to go. I look forward to it. Um, it did put us in, in a difficult position as far as, you know, finding staff for a different city, obviously. But yeah. um, we were very committed to it. Um, and and what we ended up opening is is great. We love it down there, you know. So let's talk about what, what that looks like to mm -hmm. have restaurants in different cities. I've yeah. seen, uh, you know, I've known a few people sort of who've 
negotiated that and mm-hmm. it and it it's usually people who have a partnership who they sort of alternate who who goes right. but i know that taking care of yourself has to be difficult while you are in in various cities and as a parent right. and stuff so can you tell me what that is like um taking care of yourself like while you're having to you know be in different cities right. having to and and also how you sort of take care of your business and take care of a couple different staffs when you're not the person who's always there. How do you, how do you manage this within Um, your, well, there's, there, obviously there's a lot of trust that goes into, um, opening a business out of, we're not a huge company. I I, want to be clear, like (laughs) for anyone who is listening, it's like the company is really me, my business partner. And then we have a CFO and then we have a general counsel, which is, which is, um, things we've added only after we've done like our our fourth deal, you know, and we're saying we, we can't do, we can't, I can't write these agreements. I can barely read these agreements. You know, I can, um, but we had to get other people involved in the process to take that away from us so that we could focus on what we do best, which is cooking and managing for me operating and managing for my partner. So it required a lot of trust, and we, we ended up bringing someone on um, from Chicago who um, she had worked for um, Doug Saltis for a long time. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. Oh, remember wait. him? He used to be in New York for many years. But I, I know the name. But... He was, I think the restaurant was Country. He oh, was in yeah, New York yeah. for, for years. Okay, and yeah. then now he runs um, a division of... Uh, let us entertain you in Chicago. Okay, yeah, they are massive. Yeah, massive company. And she had, she, you know, Esperanza has um, kind of a corporate experience, Mm -hmm. but she also has a Mexican background, and she has, you know, some Asian experience. And I was like, this is great. She's got, she checks a box for corporate. She is passionate about Mexican food, and she wants to work, and she's eager, and she's got... She's got an objective in her life, you know, yeah. she wants to achieve, um, you know, having her own restaurant one day. So if I can help her do that, I'd love to, you know. So she's really kind of the key of that restaurant. Um, we rely on her very heavily for um, everything. Yeah. But really, we gave her an opportunity, and, you know, she's doing great. So you said all these projects. What all projects do you oh. have that you uh, can talk about? <laughs> you, um, yeah, you, no, you, sure. You've got an empire happening. Well, Empire sounds so negative, though, but it's. I, I like to think we bring positivity and opportunities. <laughs> I like Empire. Um, you talk about the Danny Meyer Empire. That's, that's not a bad true. Thing. Yeah, that's true. That's good. Um, we have this. So we have Alta Calidad in Brooklyn, which mm-hmm. is opening operating. We have Otterves in New Orleans. We just opened our fast casual version of Alta Calidad. It's Alta Calidad Taqueria. Where? It's in the, the new uh, timeout market under the Brooklyn Bridge there. Oh, I what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> so we, it was really, I had this idea in my head that we wanted to try these Indian, these rotis that we do at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, they were special, I think, when you were there, but I don't mm-hmm. think you were eating any gluten that night. But I feel like, I feel like two of, your, two of the other people yeah. at the table got Yeah, it. I, I got to see yeah. everything. And it's like a giant Indian um, flatbread that has been treated with a French technique with Mexican ingredients so Whoa. we we created 11 yeah I'll talk really quickly back because I kind of love it but yeah do um, please 
We started 11 about a year and a half ago, and that's our starter. It's like a sourdough starter. And so we used a percentage of that in bread flour, and we let it ferment overnight with yogurt and with olive oil, so lots of fat. And it's a really tender dough, and then we roll it out, and then we cut it like it's called a lacha parata, which is like a... It's like an Indian bread that's been cut into strips and re-rolled. But it's kind of a peasant way of achieving textures and flavor, um, textures and kind of um, an airiness to it without using additional fat because they didn't really have that. It was considered expensive. So they did it in the technique of rolling it. And it's really interesting because when it cooks, it steams, and you see all these different layers within it. But it's a really grandmothery kind of peasant way to do it. So we do that, and it's tacos and rotis. God, that sounds good. And it's really fun. You can see them rolling it out all day long, and we have these this fermented dough that sits there overnight. Um, and then we we cut them into hundred gram portions, and we roll it out. And we kind of do it in front of everyone, and it's on. It's just a fun thing. That's so lovely. And you have a book. Yeah, so I finished the book. Also, um, this is all pretty short, and within a couple of years. Um, <laughs> When's the book coming out? I think six, seven more months. Okay, it yeah, seems it takes to take so, forever. It yeah. really does. I thought and we'd it, be done with this thing like seven months ago. No, it it drags and and, uh, it does. and photography it does. takes a long time. And they they were great. They were pretty quick. But Who's it's really it out. Uh, Chronicle. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, we're excited about that. So you know, it, great publisher. We had a great editor. So. Oh, who's your editor? On Name's Cameron. Okay. Um, I can't pronounce her last name Subia. I okay. think, but she's been great. Um, She's been great for us. Um, and then I took my consulting business, which uh, which was pretty pretty busy. Yeah. Um, and I kind of merged it with my other business, the restaurant business. And that's part of why we brought on the CFO. So now I have all this like experience in food halls. So we actually created a management company that now manages food halls also. Oh, God, that's so brilliant. Because they, they, every city I travel to yeah. is starting to get a food hall. So we are a management company also, and we're opening our first food hall in Omaha, Nebraska. Congratulations. Oh, oh I have a friend who lives in Omaha. Oh, well. I'm going to send her over. Her name is Rainbow. Okay. And we, yeah, look for Rainbow. Great. Well, you should come too, but it opens in like two months now. What's it called? It's called the Inner Rail Food Hall. Oh, my gosh. So we enter these deals as, um, I got it. again, a lot of this is like just learned over, over time, but mm-hmm. um Chefs don't really typically understand the real estate market, and I would never claim yeah. to. But what I do understand is that developers need help mm-hmm. um, with the food component that they always want. So what we've said, you know, what I've kind of gone out to do is I go and pitch our company and say that we can do this because mm-hmm. we have um, a certain skill set. I think that other people don't. One is is that we operate from a food position as well as a beverage position, but we also manage on like a top level. So we come in there as an asset manager for um, the ownership. We're the land, really, we're the landlord, but ownership. Um, and we operate their food hall and we curate the vendors, but we're also an advocate for the vendors because. So important. Really, what I found is, is like in Omaha, for example, we have an Indian Thandur vendor who's not necessarily equipped to manage the business aspect. So we help him. And we say, I know you can do it. We just want you to cook the best things you can. Let us help you. And so we offer that to him, you know, to make sure he succeeds. So you're somewhat of an incubator as well. The, it, <clears throat> well, 
there's not a designated space for that. Mm-hmm. Although you could you could say that if this person leaves after his license agreement is up, maybe it was an incubated space. That's I can't wait to see sort of what comes out of this. Right. Like, it's it's actually very exciting and it's been it's been a very creative process, which is why I think I've liked it. Um there's a lot of conversations and things I haven't done before, like just like there is a salesmanship to it that it's not necessarily like, I'm not really a salesperson yeah. in any way. Um but my business partner is is a little more equipped to talk about I think um, some of those things better than I am. What I can do is I go in there and tell them, it's like, I can help you make a successful restaurant if you listen and you work with us. And then and then I think it becomes a little bit easier. While you're out there doing all this and you're on the road and you're pitching, how do you take care of yourself on the road, like through airports, through hotels? How do you do that? I, I, bring, I usually bring food. Uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah. I, I always like I always bring almonds. Yeah. Um or apples. Um I always stay at a hotel that has a gym. Mm-hmm. I don't stay at one that doesn't. Um what's, what's your sleep like? On travel days it's it's not enough. I'm not um, good at it. I'm that's not so enough. bad um, at it. <laughs> usually I'll take a six AM flight out. Yeah. It's between six and seven. Can you sleep on planes? Never. No, I can't no. either. I watch um, movies. I yeah, you know, like done. usually, it's, usually it's that. Usually, I'll yeah. just get my laptop out and I'll, I'll kind of chip away at whatever needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it definitely becomes difficult. Like um, I make sure I don't drink. You know, mm-hmm. typically on 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 planes or if I'm away, I just keep it really limited. Mm-hmm. Um, Facetime with daughter. <laughs> Always, but I I I try to only book these things on the days that she's with her mom. Yeah. So like I'll try to not do anything on on the days that we're other than be here. Yeah. Um, on the days, so that it kind of pushes my travel schedule between you know Wednesday through Saturday night, pretty much. What? How has the notion of what is perfect changed from? The you that was say in that kitchen at craft to what that looks like for you now. I think it's less motivated by what others think, and it's really kind of predicated by what I think. Mm -hmm. So if I say, I think this is, I mean, honestly, at this point, it could be an enchilada with Brussels sprouts and this Indian-ish pasilla mole on a plate that has no connection with anything to me like that could be perfect yeah you know and it's that rusticity and if i know someone did it with integrity and heart Mm -hmm. it's good enough for me what would you tell that guy the old me yeah what would you what would you tell that kid (laughs) (laughs) i I, honestly i would probably go back and say you know there's there's more to you than this plate of food yeah like you're 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 a dad, you know, you're a bass player, you're you know, a person with your own ideas like it's not just you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's I think it's really important. Yeah. Well, the great thing is like you have cooks that you can say that to now <laughs> and convey that. I mean, I, yeah, I wanted to be a bass player, you know, I wanted to be a musician my whole life. That's really all really? I've ever kind of it's all I thought about doing before mm-hmm. I kind of fell into cooking. Have you ever met Chidi Kumar? 
No. She's spectacular. She's got a restaurant um, called Garland in Raleigh, and she is okay. still in a band. Oh, really? She's the bass player in, in cool. a band. That's so they awesome. have a combination restaurant and music space. Yeah, that's so, amazing. So she's, that's, so, that might be my dream. Though. So, well, when I hear that, I, I overheard somebody saying, like, <coughs> oh, you know, Chidi's doing this event, and somebody asking, oh, actually, is she playing or is she cooking? And I think she was that's doing awesome. both, actually, but she's going to be in town uh, doing a Brown in the South dinner at James Beard. And That's it, awesome, yeah. It is my mission. We're to trying to get involved for next year for ultra bass i want the uh <laughs> the bass playing chefs to meet <laughs> i would love to yeah it's just yeah. like you have a, sort of a similar like bass playing spirit <laughs> it's uh I, I don't know it's really it i would i would say it's definitely sculpted part of my life yeah it has definitely oh i love that um here's our little oprah moment that we um always have because i really think that um i've, I've come to learn like i used to be embarrassed about wanting things and thinking like, no, that's for other people or whatever. So, I, you know, as an interviewer, you know, it's easy to get away with not answering this question for yourself. So um, what is the thing that you want that the universe that you can speak into the universe, even if you feel like a giant dork saying it? What is the thing that you want that is just a thing for you? I, w- I would I would probably say. It would it would while while it should be for me, it would end up being for my daughter. You know, like I hope she gets everything she wants. That's pretty great. I love that. And now we have the speed round. Of <laughs> <laughs> that is evolved. That's easier. Yeah, that the, the daughter stuff's always the most emotional yeah. for me. You know what? I love hearing you talk about her. Like it's and again that age, that thirteen. I remember how tough that was for me. And my, my uh, grandniece just turned 13 and I was like, I just want to swaddle her away from the right. world and like send her books. It's, 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 it's a unique experience. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm very, feel very fortunate. I kind of woke up and got it. Oh my God. You, you two are really lucky to have each other. What's her name? If you feel Ella. Like Ella. Ella, you got a great dad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. It just makes me really happy because I, I That's know awesome. Thank you. How, Thank you. how important it is to be taken seriously. No, it is. It's a really big thing. So have you ever cried in the walk-in? No. Yeah. Have you ever had an emotional experience in the walk-in? Yes. <laughs> What's your walk-in? What is your particular walk-in therapy? <laughs> um, I, I brought... Um, the guys actually tease me about it now. I guess every time I used to really get upset at someone, I used to take them in the walk-in. I never realized this, <laughs> um, but I hear I hear about it when I used to go to like Dan or Josh or Pat or Joanna or or Jessica or any of these people that used to work for me. Um, anytime I was upset, apparently I would say, "Come here." Oh. I, I guess I would let him have it. And I guess it was the equivalent of going to the principal's office. Oh, no. <laughs> I had no idea, though. Like, I had no idea. But I, I guess now I think about it, I guess that's right. Oh, shoot. So right. other people have cried in the walk-in because of it. Perhaps. Perhaps. Oh. What's your comfort food? Um, Indian food. It would be, um, in particular, it would be my mom's rice and lentils. Mm-hmm. Um it would be this uh, lamb thing that she makes called grail, which is like a slow-cooked lamb shoulder on tons of bones. Mm-hmm. 
lots of yogurt, lots of black peppercorns, lots of spices, and she cooks it for hours on the stove like a braise, mm -hmm. and then she spreads it out and she broils it until it's all crispy. It's kind of amazing. God, I want that. It is amazing. Just for my own selfishness, where in our neighborhood <coughs> do you order from? <laughs> I, I've never seen that anywhere except for what she. I've never seen it anywhere. Okay. You know, not even like in the 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 Lucknow where she's from. I've I've only seen it in like. A house that she's been in, like my grandmother's or hers. And say it again, what it's called? G-R-A-I-L-L-E, grail. Oh. Um, you know, it would be it would be mom's like cauliflower, this gobi she makes. It, uh, it's all mom's cooking, really. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's She's a fabulous cook. Oh, my gosh. I like it. You made me very hungry. <laughs> she's a great cook, yeah. What is the last meal that you had that made you emotional? <clears throat> um... It would be around, I think, around Thanksgiving when, um, not dissimilar to when we did a, a food and wine shoot, my mom cooked everything. Oh, wow. Right. It was a Thanksgiving thing that um, was put together and, and, and like food and wine was actually part of it, but my mom cooked everything. And like, she, I didn't cook anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I think I was in there helping a little. And it was my brother's family and his four kids. Um, and my mom and dad in Illinois. Okay. Are they in Kentucky? Everyone's in Kentucky. So. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's a doctor and everyone's in Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going back to Kentucky uh, in a few months. I mm -hmm. don't, don't go back very often. wasn't a happy place for me. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Didn't, I always wanted to live in Louisville. <laughs> Louisville's cool. It's Louisville's actually, very cool. It's actually a cool place, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. What is the last meal that somebody cooked for you in their home? It would be my my friend uh, my friend Tyler. What he cook for you? <clears throat> He's a great cook. It was uh, it was really simple, but um, nothing's ever really that simple with him. It was like you know, he made nudies and peas and and, and uh, basil oil and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> but it was it was like really. He's a good cook. He's a great chef. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's he's a chef because I was thinking like uh, people don't love <clears throat> cooking for chefs, but chefs will cook for. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a, he's a, he was actually my sous chef at La Esquina at first. Oh wow. Um, and uh, now he's off doing kind of his own stuff, but okay, he's just like a, a great chef. His wife made blueberry pie, and it's just like really, really like just good home cooked stuff. Making a pie for somebody is yeah. such an act of love. It was great. It was delicious. Yeah, <laughs> that's really nice. And it's funny. So many people can't answer that question because nobody cooks for them. <laughs> It's true. It's true. <laughs> I'm usually cooking for most people. Yeah. yeah. So, Mr. Bass Player, what living musician who you haven't cooked for do you want to cook for, and what would you make for living, them? Living, you said, right? Yes. Because <laughs> otherwise... <laughs> I mean, I always say Getty Lee, but... Uh, oh, oh God, I forgot. You're like a Rush dude. Yeah, it's a, it, it was an... You know, I mean, they would need a, a whole nother show to talk about, but... <laughs> I've been, uh, I've always been a, a pretty big Rush fan, and um, particularly bass player. But um, you know, they were just this dorky band that, that I think no one really ever got, and I felt like I always got it. So, it's um, when I was at CNN, we actually had a, one of my colleagues wrote a story about being that Rush fan, that nerdy Rush fan. It's true. It's really true. And I, I always thought, like, I get this stuff. You know, yeah. like it's, it's a little different. Like it's a little awkward. It's really it's really skillfully done and soulful. But I don't know. Like Geddy Lee's always been uh, someone I've looked up to. What would you make him? You know, he's a really big uh, a big foodie apparently, and oh, I've actually wow. gotten to cook for him once at Gramercy Tavern. Whoa! 
as as like a, a tasting menu kind of thing, and and the, the waiter brought him back once, uh, and I got to meet him, and I'm glad it was very brief because <laughs> I was definitely like a nervous dude. But oh god, we um, all have those people who uh, we just lose it in front of. It's really it's really <laughs> cool. I mean, he's really I mean, he's just a cool dude. Um, what would I make him? He's he's a big wine guy. I hear that's the wow. That's what uh the waiter, this guy Jeremiah, who used to work at Gramercy with us, said he was a big wine guy. So. Uh, I, w- I would probably do something a little more maybe wine centric, you know, mm-hmm. like using kind of some of that interesting stuff, and maybe it turned out to be a little more French, you know, maybe a Bourguignon kind of thing. And you jam afterward? If I could keep up. <laughs> no, I'm here to say no one can keep up. So I would I'm be sure tough. you're great. <laughs> it would be tough to keep up. Oh yeah. my gosh. So, last question you have five uninterrupted minutes for self care. Your phone's somewhere else it's taken care of. What do you do? It's either, can it be two things? Yeah, of course. I have started boxing a little bit, which I've been oh. enjoying. Um, and um, it's been kind of fun. But typically I will say it's, uh, there's a lot of running, which I think, um, again, I think there's a re- repetition that helps clear your mind. Yeah. Um, there's 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 a good amount of of just exercise in general, but there's a good amount of bass playing too. <laughs> you can do all those things at once. <laughs> right, bass playing I think helps clear my mind more than anything. Yeah, because you really get lost into something else, and it's equally creative. And there's endless combinations. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate really it. Appreciate- Thank you so much to our guest today, Akhtar Nawab. How can people find you on social? Yeah, I have a terrible Instagram at Chef Octard. <laughs> but I try my best. Okay, and name off all the places, all the restaurants and things that people um, can come and Yes, we have Alta Calidad in, mm-hmm. in Brooklyn, and we also have Alta Calidad Taqueria in, in, in 55 Water Street. Um, and then Otravés in New Orleans. And opening soon, we're having... Uh, we're managing 10 places in at the Interrail in Omaha, Nebraska. And you will have a book coming out as well. I have a book called Good For You coming out, hopefully, in six, seven months. Uh, please follow him everywhere there. Thank you so much to our producer, Jennifer Martinick, to Douglas Wagner for our delightful theme song. And if you like what you heard... You know, those stars, those comments, all those those kind of things help us. They, they help us so much. They help us rise up in the in the rankings and they let us keep doing the show. So, you know, let us know. If you if there's a guest you would like to hear from or, you know, something you would like for us to talk about, you can reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at kitten with a whip. Thank you so much for listening and take good care of yourself until the next time. <laughs>